Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul is speaking, and I always say this, God is speaking through the hand of Paul as he writes to the church in Ephesus, but just as much as he writes to you and I here at First Baptist Church in the 21st century. He says this, Stand firm then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty, the brilliance, and the depth of these words, for their power in our life. Thank you that you have called us to be victors in this great war. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated as we continue today with our series in Ephesians entitled Our Identity and Purpose. Today's message is entitled War and Peace. War and Peace. It's an ironic thing that we're going to look at a spiritual war that is taking place that Paul describes to us in Ephesians chapter 6. And yet the word peace is mentioned more than once. We've been going through this series, as I said a while ago, and Paul has been building in his lessons till we come to chapter 6. And I have shared with you as he prepares our hearts for the, this part of the armor of God that informs us that we are in a spiritual war. Before we look at the armor itself, I want us to look at the timing for this great spiritual battle. We see the answer in verse 13. So I just read to you verse 14 and 15. Back up one verse with me to verse 15. And he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Now you see the end game here. At the end, he says that if you've done everything, to stand. And we'll talk about standing your ground in just a minute. But he says, here's the goal at the end. And I know I've told you this before. In the first century, like any other century, frankly, when two great armies go at each other on the battlefield, at the end of the battle, those who are standing are the winners. Those who are lying dead are the losers. And so when Paul says, after you've done everything to stand, he says, so that you can win the war. That, that's the goal. And so he shares that, but in the middle of that, he says something very interesting. He says, so that when the day of evil comes, so that when the day of evil comes. Now I find that fascinating to me that he implies that the day of evil isn't here yet. He wants us to do certain things so that when the day of evil gets here, we'll be ready, but it apparently isn't here yet. He's waiting for the day of evil. Now, let me, let me describe what Paul is going through right now. I've told you before in writing this church in Ephesus, he's in jail in uh, Rome. So here he is in jail. Now, let me tell you what jail is like in the first century. Again, there's no bed in the jail. He sleeps on a stone floor. I don't know if you've ever slept on stone before, but it's pretty cold at night, probably. They didn't have a mattress. They didn't have box springs. They didn't even know what that was. He, he slept on a cold stone floor. 
Food was typically brought in by your family or friends. It wasn't the responsibility of the Roman guards to provide food for you. So many of the prisoners went hungry and would be starving. There was no medical care. There was no TV to watch. There was no, uh, no luxury items of any kind. He didn't have a toothbrush or a mirror or hairspray or shampoo or a shower or a commode or anything. And so Paul, in the middle of living like that, in that horrible, awful conditions, he talks about when the day of evil comes. Now, if you and I were in Paul's place, I know I would be saying this. I think you would be saying this too. Hey, the day of evil's here. <laughs> if I have to sleep on that floor one more time, eat this terrible food or starve another day or smell these terrible smells, I'm going to lose my mind. The day of evil is here. He doesn't even talk about those things. Those things are insignificant. Paul recognizes compared to the real battle that's going on. The day of evil when it comes. So it surprised me. Here in the 21st century in 2021, the day of evil isn't here yet. It kind of seems like it's here. <laughs> if you watch the news, it certainly looks like it's here. I think it's important to study what Paul is trying to share with us in this passage. I, again, I remind you of what he's just said, that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It is against evil forces in the heavenly realm, spiritual forces. So as for you and I, Christians, believers in Christ, we're in a battle, we're in a war, we're soldiers in the war, and we are fighting spiritual forces. Now, when I turn on the news, I see a lost world and lost people do what lost people do. And so, of course, there is darkness. Of course, there is chaos. Of course, it's a big mess, as it was in the day of Paul. And he could see through prison bars and see the mess that this world was in. You don't like our president, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you love our president and our vice president or you don't care for them. I can tell you this. They're better than the president that Paul had to deal with it. But that is the Roman emperor who was a murderer. I mean, you think, you think our government's bad. <laughs> at, at our worst moment in the history of our country, it's never been anywhere near as bad as first century Rome. Paul doesn't even bring him up. Doesn't even mention anybody in the government. He doesn't talk about any injustice against him. He doesn't say any of those things, he's talking about something way more important for God's people. Not that our government isn't important. Last week, I remember that Chris shared with us that we will never be able to defeat spiritual evil through political means. And he's right. Even if you converted every person in the country to your political ideology, and everybody voted the way that you vote. And every person you wanted in every level of government was, was put into government. Everybody, you got 100% of what you wanted in our government. They'd still be a mess. <laughs> uh, now, it'd be better. <laughs> but it'd still be lost. It'd still be struggling. It would still be humans who are flawed, making flawed decisions. Now, we are in a democratic republic. And I believe that what we have a responsibility what happens in our government is important and we have a responsibility to vote and I want to see believers in Christ in every level of our government. I want to be praying for our government. 
But no, listen to this. No government has ever defeated evil. Only Christians. See, Paul is describing believers in Christ as soldiers in a galactic war. And we are the only soldiers. There's no agnostics with us. There's no atheists helping us. There's no Buddhists or Muslims or Hindus there with us. You and I as believers in Christ are, full, are fighting this, this amazing galactic spiritual war. And so he's going to share with us that God has given you and me as God's people this spiritual armor that we can fight with and win every time. So that's what he's describing here. So don't look to the government for the solution. That's simply what Chris was saying last week. And that's what I've said before as well. Do what we can as a part of our government. Paul certainly would have done the same. But don't look for your salvation from the government. Don't look for uh, rescuing, being rescued from evil from the government. Because the government can't do that. Only Christ and those in his kingdom can do that. As Christ declares on the Sermon on the Mount... It says, uh, this, this, these are the words of Jesus, that through Christ, through Christ, you and I, and these are the words of Jesus, you and I are light and salt in this world. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. Do you know who else is described as light in the world and salt in the world in the Bible? No one. <laughs> through Christ, you and I are the only light in the world, not a light. He doesn't say a light in the Sermon on the Mount. He says you and I are the light and the salt because there's no one else. So we are God's soldiers. Not any government, not any president, not a senate, not a court, and not even a constitution. Because of Christ, we are alone to fight this spiritual war. We, are, we alone are able to yield God's armor. And we alone can win this war. That's the purpose of this passage. So, he says, when the day of evil comes. Well, what is the day of evil? If this isn't it, what is the day of evil? Are there days you wake up and you think, well, I think we're here. This is the day. Is this the day of evil? What is the day of evil? And sometimes it's hard to tell. This week, Cherry and I, my wife and the kids and I, attempted to go on a vacation. Um, the last few weeks have been challenging. As you know, two of our members passed away and went home to be with their Lord. Uh, in the last few weeks, Charles Tanner and Nell Strickland both passed away. Nell's uh, service, memorial service, is this Saturday at 11 o'clock, by the way. So after dealing with those and many other things, we left Monday. We were supposed to leave on Sunday, but we ended up leaving on Monday for a nice vacation, uh, one-week vacation. We, uh, we managed to get to our destination, which was um, uh, Taos, New Mexico. Have you ever been to Taos? It's beautiful. It's beautiful in the summer. So it's a ski resort. Uh, there's no skiing in the summer, obviously, because there's no snow. And so it's really actually very pleasant to go to in the summer because there's almost nobody up there. So we get to the ski resort on Wednesday, finally got our destination. We drove for two days and, and, and got there and, and we walk up on the, the slopes. It's fantastic. You know, the, the gondola is there, it wasn't working. And, and it was 68 degrees. 
The sun was shining. The birds were singing. It's beautiful. There was even a homemade ice cream place right there by the gondola uh, selling homemade ice cream. So we, we sat down and we heard the birds singing and we ate our homemade ice cream. Man, it was, mm, boy, it was good. <laughs> then I got a text from our associate pastor, Chris. And he said, I just tested positive for COVID. <laughs> uh, I didn't time that, but that's pretty good. He said, I just tested positive for COVID. And, and um, uh, I think one of the other members is positive as well, who did test positive. And so Chris preached last week. I was here, but he preached the sermon. And so he shook a lot of hands and, and so we were kind of scratching our heads on what to do. And, and uh, so I said, well, let me think about it. And uh, a few minutes later, I got a call from the, from the staff. And again, this is, this is surrounded by all the beauty and the birds are still singing. And the staff is all in the office and all gathered around the speakerphone. And they said, Pastor, what do we do? Because service was coming up. Our youth were getting ready to go on the youth mission trip that was supposed to leave today. And then we have the services today. What, what do we do? Now, we have faced this before, actually, as a church, because if you remember that back in December, and I always want to give her credit, our faithful secretary, um, uh, Wendy, uh, as a Christmas gift, infected the whole staff with COVID, <laughs> except for Chris. And that's my only criticism of Wendy is that she didn't go ahead and infect Chris then. So we won't have to deal with this now. So anyway, uh, of course, I've been vaccinated and I know you're a bunch of rebels and most of you have not had the vaccine. God bless you, everyone. I, I wasn't going to get the, I say I wasn't going to get the vaccine. Uh, I won't say I was anti-vaccine, but I, as I've told you before, I can't pass up free stuff. And so it was free. So I went and got the vaccine. So I've had both doses of the Pfizer vaccine and, and uh, I've also had COVID now. And so I, I consider myself super immune, you know, but, um, but Chris had, he was, he, he had not gotten it. And so he, he called and said, I've got the COVID, got the Rona. And, uh, so the staff, I was talking to the staff and the staff said, well, what should we do? And I said, well, why don't we go ahead and cancel the services tonight? That was on Wednesday. We'll go ahead and I'll, th I'll think about Sunday later because again, we, we put out the APB on our Facebook page saying, Hey, if you, if you feel up to coming and you're vaccinated, you're, you're good to go. If you're, if you're a rebel and you haven't been vaccinated and you still want to come, go ahead and come. Now, everybody who we think has COVID or suspect have COVID or doesn't feel well, they're not here, by the way. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. I would be mindful as you leave this morning. I don't do a lot of hugging and kissing. And, uh, you know, just use your discretion uh, when you leave and um, uh, just be wise about that. But they had that conversation with me and after I hung up, sitting there in the beautiful breeze of, of uh, wherever we were, Taos, I said to Cherry, I said, honey, we need to go home. So uh, after 15 minutes at our destination, we went to the car and came straight back. We got back Thursday and again, this is, it was providential. Uh, when I got back Thursday, there was a message waiting for me in my office that we have another senior adult church member, very sweet couple. Uh, Dennis Elam was near death. Um, he had cancer 
And so we, we were able to be back here in time to see that note so we could go to the hospital to be with him and his family. And he passed away Friday morning. So you may have weeks like that. And you may think, and it's easy for me to think, oh, Satan is really letting me have it this week. Well, I'm not sure that that's what Paul is talking about here, the day of evil. What I, what I experienced this week is just life in a fallen world. And sometimes the sun doesn't shine. And sometimes you don't get to have your vacation. And sometimes people don't survive. In fact, we're all going to die eventually, sooner or later. And that's just part of life. Paul understood that as well. Paul wasn't fighting a physical fight here where he was fighting something more lasting, more eternal. And so when he shares this, and I know that there are times where we think, oh, the devil's really letting me have it. And you may be having a tough time as a part of life. But what Paul is talking about here is you and I are being attacked by evil forces. And they don't care about COVID or anything else. They will attack you where you are the weakest, spiritually, morally, and in any other way. If they can find a weakness, that's where they will attack. And Paul knows that. Don't you know he was tempted to become discouraged? You know, by the time that Paul was executed, now, now this is the apostle Paul who started the church in Ephesus, who started the church in Corinth, who started the churches in Galatia. He planted churches all over the known world. What a, an amazing ministry. And how many tens of thousands of first century believers owed their very salvation to the fact that he was willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. But by the time he died, almost all of them had abandoned him. In the middle of all of that, Paul is saying this. Fight, fight the fight. And actually he tells us to do two important things. And so this is what I want you to take with you this morning. And these are really important, really, really important. So listen closely and then we'll be dismissed. Number one, he says to stand firm. And we'll look at it in the verse in just a minute, but he says it multiple times, not only in this verse, we're gonna see, he says it in other books to the church in Thessalonica, for example, where he tells God's people to stand firm. He pleads with them to stand firm, stand firm, stand firm then. So what does that mean, standing firm? Well, let me ask you this. What is the opposite of standing firm? You're on the battlefield. Now, I've never been on a battlefield. I've not been in the military. And God bless you if you've ever served in the military, if you ever fought for this country, thank you for that. Thank you for your service. My father has. And uh, <clears throat> when you're out on the battlefield, what does it mean to stand firm? What is the opposite of standing firm? You look around and all of your fellow soldiers are gone because <laughs> they didn't stand firm. They retreated. Not because the, the commander told them, but because they were afraid. They saw the bullets, heard the bullets whizzing by. They saw the bombs blowing up and they got scared and they ran. And Paul says in the galactic war that we're in, spiritually speaking, there are people who run. Your temptation is to run. He knows this, you will never win a battle by running away from it. You will never win a battle by running. 
You stand firm, he says. God has a plan. He's got armor for you. That armor is designed so that you and I can defeat evil every time, but we have to stand our ground. Don't run like a coward when God is giving you the edge, when he's guaranteeing you victory. He says, you stand your ground. We've seen it happen in our own life when we did not stand firm. Evil discourages us. Sin entices us. Satan distracts us. Paul knows. He's seen it too. Not everyone in this great battle will stand firm. And the consequences when God's people cower are heartbreaking. God calls us to stand firm because he expects us to do so. He's not making a request here. It's a command. Stand firm. He equips us to stand firm, calls us to stand firm, and he has every right to expect us as God's people to stand firm in the face of evil. Secondly, Paul tells us not only to stand firm, but to put on our armor. Now you'd think that would go without saying, to put your armor on. And by the way, before we even say anything else about the armor, every piece of this armor is designed to work with every other piece. They are interconnected. You don't get to pick a favorite piece. You know, if we had a favorite, it'd probably, we'd all probably say the sword because swords are cool. I've got a lightsaber in my office because I think swords are cool. <laughs> but that's not how it works. You wear all the armor or none of it. And if you have a place where you don't have any armor, you're susceptible and evil will know exactly where that is and evil will attack you right in that place and you're going to lose. You have to put it on. So he pleads again and again with them, put on the full armor of God, not part of the armor of God, but the full armor of God. In fact, he says, if I can go back to this, this is uh, uh, verse 14. Can you go to verse 14? I'll go back to 13 in a minute. Here's what he says in verse 14. He says, stand firm then, there's the stand firm, with the belt of truth, what? Buckled. You don't have it on your shoulder. You don't have it in your backpack. You got it buckled with the breastplate of righteousness, where? In place and with your feet, what? Fitted. So buckled, in place, and fitted for every piece of the armor. He tells us what to do with it. He says it needs to be where it's supposed to be in order for it to work. So he tells us to stand firm and then he tells us to put on our armor. Now go back to verse 13. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. And again, after everything, the everything he's talking about is when the battle is over. You're still standing at the end. You are the victor. Are you wearing the full armor of God today? I hate sunscreen. I hate it. I hate it. I hate everything about it. It's gooey and sticky it stinks. And then everything you put on, you, you smell all day like that sunscreen smell. I just don't like sunscreen. So often I forget to put it on. Or here's what I'll do. I'll put on a little on my nose. I have a big nose. So that always gets burned. I'll put a little right here, you know, maybe some on the back of my hand, the top of my ears. You want to get the top of your ears, very important. And, and some of you men understand this. The rest of you won't get it. You got to put it on the, 
on the back right here because, boy, I blister faster than anything. Here's what's interesting is if you've done that, you put a little smattering of sunscreen on here or there because you hate sunscreen like I do. And then that night, not while you're out in the sun, but later when you get home and you're getting ready for bed, you find out immediately where you forgot to put it because it's hurting, it's blistering red. But I don't like to put my sunscreen on. I, I've had sunburns so bad, literally, that they scabbed up. And I still don't like to put my sunscreen on. So inevitably, you know what happens? I'm in bed and I have to put that aloe vera gel on me, which is even stinkier and stickier. I, I hate it even more. But you're in so much pain then, you're willing to, to, to do that. So the truth is I'm a pale white guy and I sunburn really easy. Now my wife, she's Filipino, she doesn't burn. She's the one with the aloe vera gel, bless her heart. Um, but what I'm saying is if you're going to go out in the sun, in the Texas sun for very long, unless you're Filipino, if you're as pale as I am, you better put that stuff on and you should reapply it from time to time because you're going to end up in pain. Even knowing that, we still often won't do it. Spiritually, it's exactly the same thing. Paul sees this. He knows we lose battle after battle after battle because we're not wearing the armor of God and we still are unwilling to put it all on. We pick and choose like it's a armor buffet, the ones we like and ignore the rest. So he says, put on the full armor of God. You have to put it on. We can study it all day, all kinds of armor. But if you don't put it on, you're just wasting time. The first three pieces of armor represent a state of being in which we have to live in our life. The last three pieces represent items you will need in the fight. And we don't have time to go through the armor pieces today, except I will introduce you to the very first one. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it says this, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Let me just stop right there. You know, the belt was the least impressive part of the armor, but it was the most common piece of armor that the Roman soldier would wear. They didn't, they didn't dress like our soldiers wear today. You know, we, we wear pants because pants are better than dresses in battle. I don't know why in the first century they hadn't figured that out. They hadn't invented pants. They didn't wear pants. And so, of course, they didn't call them dresses. They were kilts or skirt or whatever they call them. I don't know. Their, their armor outfit. And so they would put on an inner piece that was kind of that long and then an outer piece that was kind of that long and they layered and then they finally got to their outer. But the belt pulled it all in, tucked it all in because without the belt, it was, you were just real flowy and you couldn't run. You certainly couldn't fight. It was just flapping everywhere and got in the way. And so the first thing they would have to do is put on their belt. So it served a really important purpose. You couldn't fight without it. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't as flashy as the, the sword or the helmet, but you had to have it. But more than that, the way that the breast piece was designed for, for Roman soldiers is it rested on the top of the belt. So the, that heavy weight was of, of that breast piece, that, which was metal, was, was laying on top of the belt. So your waist carried the weight. 
And so you had to have the belt. You couldn't get through the day without a belt, without having that heavy armor on. But there was also a clip on the belt. That's where your sword went. So the sword wasn't good, any good to you. If you had to carry it all day, you had to have the belt. And sometimes it is the least fancy things, spiritually speaking, in our life that are so critically important for us. So what is the belt? What is he talking about? It's the belt of what? It's the belt of truth. Well, that's not fancy. What, what does that even mean, the belt of truth? Truth as opposed to what? A lie. All right, that's pretty good theology right there. You have the truth and you have a lie. I tell you, we live in a world that has no idea how to determine what is true and what is a lie anymore. They don't. I told you a couple of weeks ago, apart from Christ, this world is filled with pawns. They are not the enemy. Satan is the enemy, but he uses, they have no spiritual armor. They have no ability to defend themselves against evil. By the way, if you're not a believer in Christ today, you will be knocked around by Satan and used by him for his purposes all of your life because you cannot defeat him apart from Christ. You need to, I plead with you, to as soon as you can, give your life to Christ and allow God to equip you with this armor that you might have victory against evil in this world. Beginning with the belt of truth. In one well-known dictionary, the word truth has 10 different definitions. Truth can be a description of facts. It can refer to a state of genuineness. Truth also plays a major part in having integrity. And when you say somebody has great integrity, you probably mean that they don't lie through their teeth all the time. They tell the truth. The truth is, truth is the state or character of being genuine, being true, being authentic. Tony Evans, the pastor, preacher, says, truth is God's view on any subject. That's pretty good. Truth is God's view on any subject. Truth is what is right and genuine. In the New Testament, truth almost always refers to the fact of the resurrection of Jesus. Did you know that? For example, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free is a reference to the resurrection of Jesus for our sins. In today's society, we based our decisions, moral and otherwise, by how we feel. Uh, how we feel is the right thing to do. Our feelings have become more important than our ability to think and far more important than any authority like the Bible. We don't need authority anymore. It's just how I feel. I feel that this is right. For me, this is the right thing to do. So this is called moral relativism. Because how we feel is different how another country feels or how another state feels or how our neighbor feels. We all feel that we know what's right and there is no true right and wrong. It's just however you feel. It's right for me. Listen to me, young people, that's trash. That's a lie from Satan. There is right and there is wrong and there is a creator that has decided what is right and wrong because he's the only one who knows. He is a moral God. And if you want to know what's right and what's wrong, you look into the word of God and he will tell you. Amen. Everything else, anything else is a lie from Satan. Okay. Uh, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I told you I would tell you this a while ago. Paul says this. 
He says, so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word or mouth or letter. So here he is in a completely different book saying stand firm. And then he tells them how to stand firm. By the truth that was passed on to them by word of mouth or by letter. That is the word of God that was preached, the word of God that was written to them. That's how they could stand firm because that's what was true. Are you dressed for battle today? The day of evil is coming. Be ready. Pray with me. Father, as we come to you today, I pray that you would help us. Ah, oh, we need your help. We are surrounded by the enemy. Evil is everywhere. It is rampant. It has disguised itself as good, but it is a lie. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes to discern, hearts to know, the ability to spiritually see in this dark world, right from wrong, truth and lies. Father, for those that are here this morning that may be completely unprepared to fight this battle, they're sitting there in their heart. They know they're a pawn. They're being thrown all over the place by evil. It's hounding them. There are forces in their life they are telling them that which is wrong is right, that which is evil is good. And to follow that, there are forces that are trying to convince them that your truth is a lie. And what is a lie is the truth. Father, I pray that this would be the hour of their salvation. That they would come to a moment in their life where they say, you know what? I don't want to be a pawn of Satan anymore. I don't want to be pushed around the board by him. I want to fight this fight as a believer in Christ. I want this armor. I need this armor. Father, I pray this would be the moment of their salvation, that they would realize that you created us because you love us, that we are separated from you because of the sin that's in our life. It's just how it is. We sin and sin causes separation, but you didn't design us to be separated from you. You made us because you love us and you have created us to love you back. But sin is in the way. And it's not the sin of a government. It's not the sin of our neighbor or our friends or anybody else. It's our own sin. It's those bad choices that we have made. Those bad thoughts, those bad attitudes, those bad actions that have separated us from you because you're holy and pure. But you love us and you don't want us to be separated from you in this life or in the next. So you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die for us on the cross in our place because your word tells us the result of sin is always the same. It is death, not just in this life, but in the life to come eternally. But you promise us that through Christ Jesus, we can have forgiveness of our sins. We can come back to you. That separation, that barrier is there no more. Having been forgiven, we can fulfill our purpose in life to love you back. 
to bring you glory. And in so doing, your spirit comes to dwell in us. Your spirit that will give us power over evil. Your armor that gives us victory over all that is dark in this world. In this life and for eternity. Father, thank you for putting us in the fight and equipping us to win. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you today? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Are you in the fight? Or are you just a pawn of evil? Most people don't even know why their life is going in the direction that it is. They don't know they're a pawn. They don't know they're being used. Many of them are so blind, they think that they're doing the right thing or they have the right cause or that they know the truth but they're in darkness. And there's something deep in your heart that you know, you know it's darkness. Christ would say, come into his light today. I challenge you, if you've never accepted Christ as your savior, you've never surrendered to him, just say, pastor, I wanna give my life to Christ, to surrender to him, and in faith believe in the resurrection. The Bible tells us that if we surrender to his lordship, and we believe in faith, he was resurrected, we will be saved. You don't have to walk out of here lost. You don't have to walk out of here a pawn of Satan. Would you be willing to make that decision today? Again, as you're praying, no one's looking around. If you've never accepted Christ, would you pray this prayer with me? And if you pray it, mean it. And if you don't mean it, don't pray it. Right there in your heart. If you've never accepted Christ, I challenge you to surrender to Christ right now. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth, and so here's what I'm calling you to confess right now. Just repeat this quietly in your heart after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. I mess up. I believe you died for me, for my sins, in my place on the cross and I believe in three days you came back to life and you're alive today I surrender my life to you I confess you as my Lord thank you Jesus for saving me again if you prayed that prayer I want to challenge you Come and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer. And maybe just right where you are, you want to quietly pray and thank God for his armor. And pray, God, give me your armor. Help me with your armor. Help me win the fight this week because I know the day of evil is coming. Would you stand? No one's looking around. All heads are bowed. All eyes are closed. And as you stand right now, this opportunity is for you.